This is Cinema Spin. Hello, everybody. I'm Matt. And I'm Jason. And welcome to a new episode of Cinema Spin. Tonight, we've got a couple of movies for you. Yes. A new one. And like always, one from the past chosen by the great randomizer. Yes. We're sticking to this uh, format. Yes. The best of the old, the randomly chosen of the new. No. The best <laughs> of the new, the randomly chosen of the old, and I have to say, not even necessarily the best of the new. Yeah, just, just what's... What's new? What's new? What are people talking about? That's right. Unless it's something neither of us want to see, <laughs> then right. we can watch those movies. So, yes. So, uh, it's complicated. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's complicated. So, uh... But tonight, uh, we had a brand new movie, went to theaters and saw it, and yes. what was it? It was Elvis. So, uh, this is uh, the latest biopic uh, from uh, uh, Australian director Baz Luhrmann, whose uh, name might seem familiar to some people who uh, pay attention to uh, sort of... Uh, you know, Baz Luhrmann has sort of carved out a certain niche, uh, sort of halfway between... Uh, uh, kind of artsy fartsy experimental films with a with a, a a lot of sort of visual aggressive visual panache on the other hand uh, uh he's a very commercially successful filmmaker right he's made such movies as moulin rouge, uh, moulin rouge. which was very very experimental and artsy fartsy but made a lot of money uh he did a few years ago uh uh uh, uh great gatsby right so uh and now this is his latest he's taken on the story of Elvis, right? So, Elvis, for uh, the kids out there, Elvis Presley uh, was a famous singer uh, who was born dirt poor in the largely African-American shantytown of Tupelo, Mississippi, way back when, I'm going to say, I should know this, the 30s? Yeah, it would have had to have been. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and in this little shantytown of Tupelo, Mississippi, uh, he could, in the space of a few minutes on a Sunday morning, peek in on a shack where naughty people were bumping and grinding to the blues. And then, with his friends, walked down a row of uh, road of planks to a revival tent where good Christians were singing gospel. From these two influences is born arguably the greatest entertainer of the 20th century, who managed, like no other before or since, to synthesize envelope-pushing sexuality and good old boy Christian values. In the course of his career, becoming literally everything to everyone. Um, Elvis, the movie, traces the ups and downs of that career, which include a famous stint in the army, a series of comebacks, constant attempts to to uh, weigh the artistic value of reinventing himself versus the monetary value of sticking to what works. And of course, a drug ha habit that starts with a single pep pill on the way to a gig and year by year turns into a smorgasbord of painkillers and barbiturates that eventually led it, that eventually at least contributed to his death at age 42. Uh, ticket buyers for this movie expecting any dramatization or insight into the meteor meteoric rise and tragic slow motion decline of the entertainer will be disappointed that actor Austin Butler's riveting performance is largely in the background of the film. Uh, the movie is entitled Elvis, but it should be titled Colonel Tom, or for that matter, Baz. Uh, Lurman is a is above average is an above average visual stylist, but as usual, his ego won't let him tell just tell a story. A script won't stop bouncing around long enough to let us understand the characters as anything more than props in his audiovisual experiments. He seems to have zero confidence in his ability to tell an interesting story, 
or uh, or for his audience to follow it. Instead, as usual, he presents a feature-length music video disguised as a movie. Like Moulin Rouge, the entire the entire film seems like a trailer for itself, technically experimental and innovative at times, but totally lacking in any human emotions. Elvis is 160 minutes wide and an inch deep, and it is marred at the end by uh, a, a, concent- uh, a woeful concentration on Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker, Elvis's manager, uh, famously in the history of, of rock music, the archetype of the evil, conniving, Machiavellian parasite who, uh, uh, who, who uh, latches on to a, to a talented artist and bleeds him dry. Uh, this movie is, uh, not only do we cast Tom Hanks America's sweetheart as uh, as Colonel Tom Parker, one of the most loath- loathsome people in the history of entertainment. But also, this movie has the audacity to tell to ha- t- turn Colonel Tom into the uh, the narrator of this film and to largely tell the story from his perspective. I think uh, virtually every step of this movie was a bad move, and uh, I, I uh, could not wait for this movie to be over. Um, and I had a long time to wait for that because, again. It's long. Anyway, what'd you make this, Matt? Okay, um, let's see. Uh, first of all, I think that um, what is being attempted here, this movie does not make any claims to be the definitive story of Elvis. It's about Elvis the way Jesus Christ Superstar is about Christ. It's just it's just a music video, really. Yeah. It doesn't aspire to be anything more than that. Um, That's not a bad comparison because Jesus Christ Superstar actually is mostly about Judas. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, (laughs) I like this movie. I'm going to give it a positive review. Um, The first hour of this movie sort of tried my patience. It is relentless. Yeah. And it won't stop. Yes. But about about the time he got out of the army, the movie slowed down a gear. Yeah. And everything from there on I enjoyed immensely. Oh and it's God. really on the performance, the performance, the performance. Okay. It's one of the best performances I think I've ever seen in a musical film. Let's get that straight. Austin Powers is absolutely fantastic. Austin Powers. Austin <laughs> Butler. <laughs> I called him Gerard Butler last episode. Okay. So Austin Butler, uh, a relative newcomer. What has he been in? Do you know? He played Tex Watson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, there you go. Okay. He is phenomenal as Elvis Presley. And, let, and let's sort of bore into that is that uh, he does not necessarily to look at him look like Elvis Presley. Um, He is made up and and with some acting Mm -hmm. resembles him. Right. But he through through, I guess, careful, very careful study of Elvis Presley um, uh, manages to inhabit him in a way that that goes beyond just a physical resemblance. And uh, he splits a perfect difference between uh, at times doing an imitation, do, mm-hmm. doing an impression of, of, of Elvis, and at times sort of bringing his own, uh, his own kind of method to, uh, uh, to the yeah. character. So uh, this is, this, yeah, so we'll start there. This is an Oscar-worthy performance. I think a lot of the things in the periphery I think we're, gonna do, we're going to agree about. Yeah. And I guess I think it comes down to how much you enjoyed that. Yes. And I enjoyed that enough to offset the negative things I have. I, I think Tom Hanks... Is shitty in this. This is the worst performance of Tom Hanks's career, and I have seen Lady Killers. <laughs> Our friend uh, of the podcast, Mark. Yeah, I went to see this with him. Yeah, 
and uh, we had very similar reviews on this. Yeah. But he said he couldn't listen to uh, Colonel Tom without thinking of Goldmember from the Austin Powers series. It's uh, the... <laughs> The accent is terrible. Uh, so Colonel Tom, uh, despite the fact that he paints himself as an all-American hero, uh, he uh, he is of, of uh, Flemish origin. He's, from, he's Dutch he's, or whatever. Right, he's, yeah. yeah, right. Same thing. Um, and so uh, uh, to, to, to underscore that, Tom Hanks speaks in this very, very uh, bizarre uh, kind of uh, Dutch, uh, Germanish. Since, since seeing the movie, Northern European, I've... I've, I've done some seeking out of actual Tom Parker yeah. interviews. They're pretty rare. Yeah. But there was one on Nightline. He was with Ted Koppel. Yeah. Does he talk like that? No. Well, he I, kind of comes off a little more Southern boy than you. He's than, trying to pass himself off as an Amer- as as a good old boy yeah. Southern Southerner, right? Why, why, why would he he not disguise his accent? He's leaning into something there that I just or Hanks is. Yeah. That I just don't think works at all. Yes, and and Hanks is under. Um, you know, at, at least eighty pounds I, of jowly, uh, pot belly makeup, right? Um, he's giving a, a a really really bad performance. He's giving a misguided performance in that this, I I, I mean, this material would have us believe that Tom, that that Parker um is is not a loathsome human being who's who's only interest in Elvis is is, is as a is as a, right. a, a a piggy bank, right? Um, which uh. It, which I, I'm pretty I, sure I history has I established. Perhaps, right? <laughs> perhaps you may have missed the intention there. Yeah, I think it was meant to be Tom Parker pleading his case. Yeah, but I think as the audience, we're meant to see through that because we see the reality of the situation. I, well, see, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't, we can argue about yes, whether that works or not. I don't give a shit about any version of Tom Parker. And and uh, and I think Tom Hanks is embarrassing himself as well, this. I, mean, I would have much more rather seen any any insight into uh, into Elvis, right? Right. This movie is uh, the shocking thing about the the Baz Luhrmann script here, uh-huh. and there's apparently four different passes at at, at a. I'm script. sure there's a five hour right. version of this, right? Well, well, uh, this apparently went through a lot of hands to get it to uh, in terms of screenwriting to to get it to the screen. The, the, one of the most shocking things about this is how um, little anybody. I I'm not an, uh, an Elvis expert. I know almost nothing about Elvis. I learned not a damn thing about him or his career. The, you, I, I think the the extent of the research they did to uh, to this team of screenwriters did to uh, research this involved literally involved reading the Wikipedia page, Elvis's Wikipedia page. Oh man, I think I think the details are all in the the look of this film. It's it's all in the visuals, and that's that's very Boz. Yeah. Um, you know the the extent to which um, Graceland is rec- is recreated is incredible. Um, I don't know. It just co- sort of looked like uh, it looked like a really big mansion that wasn't quite done being remodeled. Well, that's kind of what Graceland looks <laughs> well, like. Well, right, I mean, exactly. <laughs> but that's not exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Right, yeah. I, I, I thought that was pretty impressive, and in the inside as well. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, this is this movie is all about kind of. Re- it doesn't aspire to be anything more than what it is, and that's maybe sad. I mean, maybe that's not what you were looking for. I, 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 I had no I, expectations of this movie. In fact, I had I, I went into this thinking that I was uh, 
uh, gonna hate it, and uh, I I got exactly what I deserved. It's not like I it's not like I, I you know I, I can't wait to buy my ticket to see the next Bosler. Well, right. Well, I'm, and I'm generally the you know I I I not been a fan of his at all. Yeah. Um, I just was ended up being entertained by it. There's just a there there was not a a moment of this movie that entertained me. Um, yeah, I think you're really in the minority on that. Uh, I mean, well, I, I well, know seven or eight I, other people who have seen it. I'm, I'm happy to be in the minority then. I, I, well, I mean, I, I mean the, you know, I, I mean, a lot of the Elvis music is good. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I, I enjoyed because I already said I enjoyed Butler as 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 Elvis, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed his performances as Elvis. I, I just don't think there were. Uh, you know, half the performances are just uh, you know the first uh, the first couple of verses, um, and then cut away to some uh, some sort of nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, uh, aside from Butler, every single move in this movie is is to- is utterly misguided, as far as I'm concerned. I think uh, you know there are there are several uh, there are many things about Elvis, even if you don't, f- there are many things about Elvis that are potentially interesting. Elvis is the person. Elvis is the person. The the original archetype of the uh, of the uh, talented entertainer who becomes just hopelessly trapped within his persona. Right. right? But this this wants to be more of a musical than it does. It wants to be you know. Right. The, it it takes the, what's the, the absolute um, least interesting uh, take on this material. Well, I mean that that's that's how you saw it. I mean that's. <laughs> I I necessarily I didn't necessarily feel like I wanted a deeper dive into Elvis. I've 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 taken about as deep a dive as I ever want to well, personally. You know? Well, I don't know that I, I I want something more interesting than than just watching him uh, 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 sing uh, Heartbreak Hotel again and again. And then oh, and then whenever we're supposed to feel sad, uh, here comes the slow version of the first verse of Suspicious Minds, which we hear over and over again. Another thing, another aspect of this is how repetition it is how we have to see over and over again um elvis is a success something goes wrong he has to climb his way back to the top he has some sort of conflict with uh uh, uh, uh with parker that's smoothed over and then and then he's right back on top and then it all starts over again this, well you're sort of you're, you're sort of complaining about the part that's actually the most historically accurate there well he did have a series of kind of totally yeah it's called storytelling though it's tell a story that doesn't that doesn't feel like it's it's repetitive this is a musical well then make it a musical then make um, it a musical and abandon the biopic aspect right then then make it a musical and abandon the fact that we have to we have to stick to the uh the 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 rhythms of the real life uh uh story and tell the kind of tell the same story over and over again and if you are going to tell me the biopic aspect, I mean, look at how many thing, look at how many turning points in Elvis's actual life are just kind of glossed over. I mean, his mom, his mom dying is a major turning point in his life. Boom! That that takes up about fifteen. I don't 15 think, seconds. I don't think the, the movie ever aspires to be a biopic, really. Well, Not the movie that I saw. <laughs> it doesn't take that on. Then, it's not the, like the, um. Then why what's is the one with Rami Malek about Queen? It's 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 totally different than that. It doesn't even want to. It it doesn't even want to dig that deep. It just, it, it just aspires to be this kind of visual presentation of Elvis's life, and that's it. But that's. But I I disagree with that completely. I think it expects me to. It it clearly expected me to feel for Elvis through well, all I these did different. Toward the end, I was well, emotionally these, connected in the in the third act. Well, that, well, then it is sort of a biopic, isn't it? 
Well, I mean, obviously, on some level, it's a biopic. Yeah. But, I mean, it just... I just don't think it, it aspires to be a biopic the way some other films have in the past. Like, it's not trying to be an accurate representation of Elvis's life. At the life. very least, it could have injected some sort of pathos. What the, the, problem, what the hell pathos. is the name of the movie with Rami Malek? The oh, the, the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, I mean, the problem with Bohemian Rhapsody was it, it was kind of a biopic, yet they got a lot of stuff that wasn't right in it. You know what I mean? There's yeah. a lot of things that were turned around yeah. and contrived. This never gets that far. It doesn't... It doesn't um, it's right. not trying to present a narrative on so the... So what exactly am I supposed to feel about this except, you know, excited for the fifth time I hear uh, uh, Heartbreak Hotel? I, 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 and annoyed every time uh, 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 Tom Hanks opens his mouth with his terrible, terrible accent. I mean, we have here, you know, we have the quintessential entertainment tragedy of all time in Elvis, in Elvis getting caught in his uh, in his persona, and then his his gradual his gradual decline, totally enabled by the people he considered his friends. Right? Um, it seems like you might want to do a little bit with that instead. Um, we see, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, he plays some shows. He doesn't look so good. There's a montage of uh, uh, of some needles uh, being injected into him before he goes on stage. And the next thing you know, there's a fucking headline of him uh, of Elvis dead at 42, right? I, I mean, right. this movie this movie has zero interest in Elvis Presley. This movie has no interest in Elvis Presley. <laughs> I think that's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Show me <laughs> this movie. <laughs> It's, it's, this movie could have been about Fr Freddie Mercury. This movie, you could have made exactly the same movie about Freddie Mercury or, or any other, or, or David Bowie or any other rock star, just sort of string it together with... Uh, this movie uh, with, is completely with, in love with the image and idea of Elvis. And <laughs> the image and idea, the, okay, the visual of Elvis, right... It has, That's what the it has kind of really zero about. interest in him as a person, in him as a cultural phenomenon, in him as a, as as uh, as again the sort of uh, uh, his significance as sort of the first per, you know the first public figure clearly sort of murdered by his own persona. It has no interest in any of the things that make Elvis uh, Elvis the entertainer interesting or Elvis the person. Um, uh, 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 even a little bit sympathetic. I mean, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, about the Amy Winehouse uh, mm -hmm. documentary, right? And I think there's a real case to be made here that uh, uh, Elvis stuff suffers from kind of the same syndrome as Amy, is that Amy Winehouse, gifted music musician, as it turns out, not a very interesting person. And I think Elvis is the same way, although that is kind of what's interesting about him is that this this very talented but relatively uninteresting human being ends up so surrounded by this 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 mach this uh, machinery of entertainment um is 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 uh you know nursing all of these uh, all of these hangers on uh, there are just a million interesting ass uh, ways to take this story. Instead, we just settle for a, a jukebox musical that, uh, you know, w w with, with a couple of interesting sort of visual flares. Um, and and the worst performance of, of, of Tom Hanks's career. Um, I, uh, I, I, yeah. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. But I mean, that didn't, I didn't, that, I, I let go of that early on. I mean, I yeah, had to. I couldn't. Self preservation. It, well, the, well, uh, you're more forgiving than I was. I, I, I mean, to me, I was, 
I, I mean, it's it's it was jaw dropping. It was like a it, it was like an SNL skit that that wouldn't have made it to air. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, you know, the, the performance here can't decide if it's um if it's if it's comic if it's humorous. I mean, it it's too ridiculous to be taken seriously and too humorless to be campy. And and the result, frankly, has to be seen seen to be believed. I I, I actually think anybody who, out there who who catches who can catch us on streaming might want to check this out just for the. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's that bad. I don't I, I don't, oh, I don't think it works really well at all. But I don't. I mean, I wasn't appalled by it. total embarrassment. This is the worst performance by a major actor I've seen in years and years. Uh, this is the worst performance by a major actor I saw I've seen since. Uh, uh, Jodie Foster in that uh, uh, that, uh, that really terrible sci-fi movie with Brad Pitt, where he's trying to uh, 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 get lead a revolution and get off the planet. I'll think of it later. But I anyway, can't remember that one. Um, anyway, uh, but I keep a mental scrapbook, and boy, this is way up there. Uh, and I don't know. I, frankly, I don't know how you end up with. Uh, I don't know how you end up with a performance Oscar worthy in the way you get from Butler and then from Tom Hanks, you get, uh, you get such a travesty. I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, does, does Lerman, I, mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame Hanks. I suspect that, uh, he gave Lorman exactly what but, he asked but, for. But I mean, yeah, I mean, he's watching dailies too, though. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I... I suspect Baz Luhrmann's not disappointed with any aspect of this picture. Well, Baz Luhrmann has no taste, um, and is a is a is a hack. Well, I'm not gonna <laughs> stick up for him. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm not in love with this movie by any stretch of the imagination. I just, I, I just enjoyed more of it than I didn't in the end. Yeah, and the performance I thought was spectacular. Yeah. It puts Rami Malek's performance in Bohemian Rhapsody to shame, I think. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, here's another thing. Uh, here, here's another total lack of uh, of interest in, in Elvis or the Elvis phenomenon is, like, what, what turns Elvis into a, uh, 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 into a sex symbol? Baz Luhrmann doesn't know and doesn't care. All he knows is that Elvis got up there, he started shaking his hips, and all of a sudden, the virgins in the poodle skirt in the front stage develop spontaneous orgasm disease. Well, right? I mean, that's kind of one of these things that nobody really understands. I mean, yeah, I think it took a little longer than that, and it, well, maybe, maybe it was a little, probably, a little yeah, more complicated. Yeah, it was, it was wrapped right. into the fame. It wasn't the first time he performed. Yeah, yeah I, you're right. right. That's a stylized version of, of, yeah. of That's, I mean, <laughs> but this is... <laughs> This isn't a elongated music video. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm, it's, it's not really any more than that. Yeah. It's just, um, you know, it's like the same thing as like when the Beatles shook their heads. They found that the women would go, girls would go crazy. Yeah. I'm sure it didn't happen the well, first time. Yeah. It, I, it didn't I, happen until they were the Beatles. And the girls and didn't go crazy until they were watching Elvis. Obviously, the hip thrusts did appeal to the ladies eventually, right? Uh, something know. they never saw before. Right, yes. Uh, but but nonetheless, I mean, uh, the material here is not at all sort of interested in the in any of the steps that it takes yeah. to get to the major turning points in Elvis's life. You know, I would just say at the end of the day, for me, this is an amazing performance in a a movie that if you can overlook a lot of stuff <laughs> Yeah, is kind of decent. <laughs> I think this is um, uh, aside from this Bu- is B minus. Aside, aside from Butler's performance, this is uh, this movie was agony. This is C plus B minus <laughs> territory for me. At two hours and forty minutes, 
You, I mean, you sat there for two hours and 40 minutes of this, and you weren't just like, oh my God, get me out of here? No. I, 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 you, you and I, you and I have never disagreed more about a movie. I think we have. What was it? There was one out there that we disagreed. I, I think this is, I, I, I'm telling you, we haven't disagreed more. Okay. Because uh, I, 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 I hated this movie, and at the end of the year, this will be uh, on my list of, of, of uh, one of the most excruciating new movies uh, that I saw this year. Um. Ooh, man, that's strong even language. Though I, I, even though I, I, I do hope the butler gets uh, nominated for <laughs> best actor, right? Which goes, goes to show how, how significant good acting performances are in my general, uh, uh, my general evaluation. No, that kid's got talent, and yeah. you know, I hope he does other stuff in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I, I could not remember where I'd seen him from, and of course it was the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Tex yeah. Watson role. Yeah, I, I, and just one more thing. Uh, if this movie is going to be about Colonel Tom Parker, why not just call it Colonel Tom Parker and have it be a movie about Colonel Tom Parker and Elvis is in the background? I mean, Parker apparently was a very interesting guy, right? Evil. There are, there are <laughs> right? long stretches of this movie where um, he kind of disappears in the background for 20, 30 minutes at a time. Does he? Yeah. I, I, 30 minutes? Well, 30 maybe. Oh, God. I, I, maybe I need to see it again. It seemed like he was in every frame of this movie. And, you know, there were uh, lots of these type of hucksters out there at the time. Ask anybody sure. who did anything for Motown how much money they made. Off oh, this oh, you know no, I mean? no. I, I'm not, I, I'm not, uh, I'm just saying, well, and in the same way, there were a lot of people who were maybe not the, as the star that Elvis was, but, you know, but, but had their moment and 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 were very famous, very famous singers and and rock and rollers of this time. Right, no doubt about that. Um, I, I don't think there's anything necessarily uh, 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 unique about Colonel Tom. I just think that because of his, because of uh, of the stature we're dealing with here. Yeah, I it's mean, Elvis and Colonel Tom. Colonel Tom invented merchandising a rock yeah. star. Right. Um. You know, you can take that as you as you will. Yeah, but it uh, you know, making minimizing an artist to make as much money as you possibly can from them, mm-hmm. conceivably, is what he uh, was able to do, and it has been aped many times by many other people. Yeah, um, you know whether that's uh, that legacy is um, evil or not. Uh, I guess that's up to you, each of us to decide. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I should say about this, I, I mean, you maybe have given the impression that I kind of went, went into this with my arms crossed and granted I am not Baz Luhrmann's biggest fan, but, um, I did something last week. I was listening to, uh, one of my, uh, favorite, uh, movie podcasts, uh, next picture show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they compare similarly to us, although, uh, the old movies are not chosen at random. They compare older movies to, uh, to a new movie that right. has something in, right. Uh, and so they Moulin Rouge was their kind of retro movie, right? And I was listening to the uh, the uh, uh, them cover that, and as they talked about it, I was like, I saw Moulin Rouge once when it came out, and I hated it, but I don't remember any of this. So should I check out Moulin Rouge in preparation for Elvis? And so um, I did that, and I thought at first that was a very bad idea i watched like the first 20 minutes as much as i could take right um and then i was like oh no is elvis gonna be like this is it gonna be 
like this. Kind of. <laughs> well, no, no. I And I was pleasantly surprised in the first like 10 minutes of Elvis that, oh, no, it's not quite going to be uh, this uh, aggressively um, the quote unquote experimental in, you know, in, in, in the worst possible way. Right. But there is, um, you know, like the way the carnival looks. Yeah. Very well, grimy. yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is very stylized. And like I said, I mean, both uh, both those movies turn out to feel like trailers for for themselves they turn out to, they 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 feel like very quick cut and and right. shot with different film stock and shot at different angles and like they're advertising the movie that so, that they are right um and and you know a lot of music video tropes and everything you know so uh but but i was pleasantly so 15 minutes in elvis i was like okay well you know maybe give it to me but uh uh then yeah the uh the the, the accent I just couldn't couldn't take well, it. Well, I mean, I, I, I said to, to Mark after we watched this, I said, Jason's going to hate this. Yeah, okay. And I said, i got to be prepared to defend it. <laughs> okay, well. Um, but I said- And that, too shady. And I said- And, and, and kudos And I, and I said, I, <laughs> one thing that this movie has going against it, you, I said, Jason doesn't really dig biopics, and yeah. he doesn't like narration. Yes. And he doesn't like accents. Yes. Uh-huh. So, uh, yes. you know- <laughs> These things uh, are not going to add up to yes. him being super open-minded about this. No. But um, no, yes. it is what it is. Yes. Uh, also, uh, and, and while we're on the subject of the, uh, uh, the voiceover narration, not only does it underscore how terrible, how, how just, just terrible that accent is, um, but also, uh, like most uh, voiceover narrations, you could cut that completely out, and uh, and it would add, uh, it would it would detract nothing from the narrative of the film, because half because the, the entire every everything he says on, in the voiceover narration is describing something that we're watching, right? Yeah, I know um, you feel it, that it's it's that there that it's there narration. entirely for uh, window dressing. It's it's just yeah, there to, to, I think yeah. it. I think it can sometimes lead the audience where you want them to go. Yeah. Maybe everybody doesn't need that necessarily, but right. I think certain people do sometimes. Well, right. And maybe I don't even mind it when I'm letting myself go being guided like that too. Yeah. Sometimes. Right. I, I've never found narration to be an annoying thing. In this case, I do because I thought the accent was bizarre. Yes. Um, right. I just didn't understand where it was coming from, and I found it a little hard to follow at times. Yeah. The last thing you want to do is have your movie narrated by – a difficult to follow accent. Yes. And, and yeah, and uh, it's just narratively, this movie's just such a mess too, because a lot, a lot of the times he's, uh, if not narrating, he seems to be privy to things, the uh, scenes that he's not even in. He seems to, to be, uh, to, to be aware of, 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 of scenes that he has no access to. I, this, yeah, I think the movie, you know, we've said this before. I mean, I've said this before, but I, I think it's, it's kind of about Parker's delusions of grandeur. He feels, yeah. and I, and I, I think he is somewhat responsible for Elvis being Elvis. Yeah. But um, he takes way too much credit. You know, I, I think if, if that's the angle you're going to play up, if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to be, uh, you're going to tell the story from Parker's point of view and have this movie basically be, you know, an unreliable narrator trying to exonerate himself from his role and what we all consider to be the decline of, of one of the great performers. Right. Uh, at the very least, what you can do is you can you could underscore um, the details of that decline, 
right? This movie, one of the things that I object to most about this movie is the ways in which, not that I wanted the back half of this movie to be any longer, but it totally glosses over uh, 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 Elvis's slow motion decline into um, into catastrophic drug use. By the end of his life, he was doing he was doing drugs every night that that should have killed him. Right. Right. Yeah. He, um, and and this and if you're going to um, you know if, if you're going to make a movie uh, about uh, Colonel Tom feeling feeling bad about uh, how he contributed to Elvis's death, show us the show us the details of that death. Show us how ugly I that death was. Don't think instead that... just don't just wave your hands and then show us like oh dead at forty two in a headline. I don't think that there's any remorse in in Colonel Tom. Well, then he's not a very interesting character, then, is he? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not exactly something to build a, a, a movie around. I mean, um, you know, I guess if that's the way you felt, sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we've, we've talked yeah, we've, about that too That's long. fine. Fuck that movie. <laughs> and with that, we'll take a quick break. <laughs> Listening to Cinema Spin, and once again we're back on Cinema Spin. Our second film tonight, picked <laughs> at random by the great randomizer, was Soylent Green from 1973, directed by Richard Fleischer. It's the year 2022. No, really. And climate change and overpopulation have caused the food supply to dwindle to alarming levels. Crops do not grow well in the new climate, and healthy livestock is also in short supply. Our story begins in New York City, where the population has ballooned to over 40 million people. For comparison's sake, New York City currently has around 8 million citizens. People are living literally on top of each other as they struggle to make a living and find a way to feed their families. Of course, as it is with all societies, the rich and wealthy class still live the good life, high on the hog, in large buildings that tower over the huddled masses. It's not long before we, the viewer, witness the murder of William Simonson, a wealthy tenant of one of these high-class apartments. The authorities are called, and in walks Robert Thorne, a police investigator played by Charlton Heston. Thorne is good as his job, but he also has sticky fingers, plundering anything he can find in the rich man's abode. This includes Cheryl Lee Taylor Young, a concubine who is considered furniture and therefore part of the apartment. So Thorne investigates, and between fistfights and stepping over poor people, he gets to the bottom of this terrible crime. Simonson was an executive with Soylent Corporation, makers of the sustenance bars Soylent Red, Yellow, and the newest type, Green. A conspiracy is clearly afoot, and it soon has become evident that Simonson was murdered to keep him quiet. He knew too much, a secret so vile that if it were made public, would shake the very fabric of society to its core. Spoiler alert, Soylent Green is made of people. People! <laughs> what do you think about Soylent Green after all these years? Um, couple things that are, uh, first of all, okay, let's play this game. 2022, global warming. Class warfare, water <laughs> shortages, hmm. women treated as objects. I mean, come on. What Matt. a ridiculous view of the future. Right, yeah. <laughs> the real question here, I mean, the only question that really matters at this point, we're looking back on this all these years later, is uh, if you know the famous, if you know anything about this movie, you know the very famous uh, ending, Soylent Green is People. Um, how does this hold up if you know how this ends <laughs> um and 
the bottom line is I'm going to say some good things about this movie. It has its it, it it has its interesting elements, but I have to say, um, uh, not only does this movie not uh, hold up well if you already know the twist, I think even if you didn't know the twist, the revelation of the twist is done in such a sort of haphazard and ultimately anticlimactic way. This is one to walk out of the theater scratching your head, going, "What did I just watch?" Even right. if you didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, the movie itself, uh, aside from a lot of very interesting kind of secondary, secondary trappings, uh, you know, having to do with world building, at the heart of it is just this very rather ho-hum kind of police procedural. It's a police procedural where eventually he begins to detect that, oh, wait, there's major corporate, corporate and political espionage going on here. This goes all the way to the top and yada, yada. One of the things that's missing, if this movie were remade today, and in fact, I think it was remade a few years ago, um, if it were remade today, one of the things uh, that would be added and I think is really missing from this is kind of a face of the corporate, of the evil corporate um, um, raider. There's no, there are a couple people who, you know, kind of show up and you know, kind of, uh, kind of intimidate people. There's the governor character or the mayor character. Yeah, the but but governor. there's nobody really sort of uh, established as kind of the face of right. of, of the authoritarian uh, uh, industrial, you know, military industrial. It, the conflict. movie stops before it fully vilifies Soylent, though. You know what I mean? It, it, it yeah, really, yeah. There's not like a pattern of like. Soylent like being a bad corporation through as the movie. Yeah, they're all they're just being making this food, right? And you sort of know vaguely what they're doing, right? But you don't know what they're really up to until thirty or two seconds before the well, I guess couple you know during the factory scene at the end. Yeah, is when you learn that what they're really what's really going on. Yeah, yeah, and and. Uh, you know, while we're on the subject of the sort of procedural uh, story that takes up so much time, I mean, the investigation ends up getting pretty lazy. I mean, um, you know, we're told nobody can get into the top secret factory. Uh, but once the third act is short on running time, all of a sudden, you know, Heston just kind of <laughs> just kind of sneaks by it's right on know? a trash truck away. Right. Um, right, right. Yeah, right. He, he attaches himself to a trash truck. Right. And uh, and also once you're in the factory, you realize how many, you know, for such a, uh, a, a you know, gravely held secret, you realize how many just how many people work in this factory and must sort of like know that soil and green is people. Right? They've never heard the loose lips sink ships. Phrase right. Yes. Uh, a couple things I want to say about this movie that I did did admire uh, for a movie that takes place in the future and has to sort of introduce you to this to this kind of new world. Um, it's very economical in its world building. It doesn't really belabor you with. I, I, I mean, there there is kind of an opening montage where it shows how you know we got we went from the Model T Ford to all of a sudden you know you know a hundred years later. Now and, yeah, into the uh, uh, industrial revolution, and then through right, yeah, yeah, uh, consumerism, and, and got where we were, right. But but after that, I mean, uh, the movie doesn't uh, spend a whole lot of time sort of preaching at you about the political situation or about the uh, uh, about the social situation. It just very economically establishes there are uh, the haves, there are the people who kind of work for the government and in the government and have good jobs, and the re the rest of the people. Uh, just need to get off the street by 10 p.m. and go find some place to sleep, right? 
um, and where they find to sleep, another sort of economical bit of world building. They don't, you know, they don't have to belabor too much of the fact that we're uh, overpopulated. They can just show (laughs) that, you know, as he's walking upstairs to his apartment, like he has to step over like uh, people just sleeping everywhere a body can sleep on the, on the staircase. Right. And in the, in the, the church where the homeless people live, it's just stacked wall to wall with uh, everywhere you can get mm-hmm. a, a, a person to sleep. So um, that kind of, uh, uh, you know, that kind of set design, that kind of, you know, the mise-en-scene, as I say, you're, put, you're placing, th- you're telling the story by placing the scene, I think, I thought was uh, pretty well done. I that found, was good. I just found the movie so visually bland. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, like, apparently the only material available is tan, all the hats are tan, <laughs> yeah. all the shirts right. are tan. And it, it, as interesting is that the global warming makes it so that uh, they repeat repeatedly say, well, it's 95 degrees outside. Yeah. But everybody's still dressing in layers. Right, right? yeah. <laughs> there's a lot got, of weird they things. They got vests on and hats on, right? And, like, their way <laughs> – the way to, to – for them to show that the air has gone to shit is there's like this vague green fart haze everywhere uh-huh, they yeah. walk during the day. That looks totally fake. Yeah. And there's some really bad matte paintings in this. I thought just yeah. visually it was kind of shoddy. Yeah. Yeah. Even for its time. Yeah. So there, there's a, a running gag, as you mentioned in this, about how uh, every little pleasure they have is uh, is a pleasure from the past. Like they're they're constantly in a position of trying to uh, uh, gain things from the earlier times, you know. Right. Everything from meat to bourbon to to pens, you know. Yeah. Are sort paper of fe- are sort of fetishized, you know. <laughs> his, they're like, his... oh, they're lug- super luxuries only for the rich. Whenever anybody gets out a piece of a, something to write on, it's always one of those little kid uh-huh. pads where you know you lift up the script to erase it with a little red pencil. Yeah. Where uh-huh. you depress, you know, I forget what those are called. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, because you got to reuse. They it. use that toy. Yeah, multiple times in this. Um, um, and yeah. that that gets a little old. I mean, it, it, more than a little old. It, it, they just go to that well so many times. Like, eventually, you're like, yeah, okay, we get it, right? Everything from the past is now fetishized and now a luxury. Yeah, I mean, that's they do beat you over the head with that. Yeah, I kind of found I was a little. This is, I mean, I understand what they're going for with this vision of the future, but it just seemed a little confusing to me in terms of what exactly it entailed. You know, the the fact that the he was stealing from the, you know, he got into the rich house to be able to investigate, and it was sort of like a smorgasbord for him. Then you just steal whatever the hell you right. wanted. Right, yeah, you can take the bourbon. You can, yeah. yeah, right, right, yeah. Apparently you can just have the concubine if you want. Um, yeah. Why is she uh-huh. interested in him? Okay. First of no. all, he's fucking filthy. Right, right, right. <laughs> l- l- let's get into this movie, right? Uh, over the course of the last few years, we have watched a lot of movies where women have been mistreated in a lot of... Uh, Rollerball. Uh, yes. And... Well, right. Or, or, you know, I mean, flat out raped or, or right. sexually abused. You oh, know, sure. Class of 94. Oh, you mean... Class of 84, yeah, remember, uh, right? Yeah. Run the gamut, so, absolutely. We have run the gamut of, of women being uh, uh, mistreated. Treated. To some degree, the the treatment of women in this, the dehumanizing treatment of women in this movie, sort of rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> oh, oh, re- oh, does it? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, uh, even more than watching, you know, than movies where women are, you know, uh, are are uh, beaten up or raped in a way that, like, the movie is like, oh, well, that's bad. 
right? You know, uh, yeah. Um, even if it, you know, if it if it plays it for for uh, for for tasteless uh, uh, titillation, right? Um, but the the movie and the treatment of this of women in this movie is so offensive. They're so uh, rich people live in these these high rise apartment buildings, and each apartment, I suppose, comes with what's called a furniture girl, right? Who it comes with the apartment, um, just like a couch, right? Right. And you can just the, use her in in the way that well, I I guess you know you normally wouldn't have sex with your couch, but you can just you know use her uh, as as part of the amenities of, of the apartment building, or discard her as such, if or you or right trade her in or discard her, right? Which is bad enough, but but you know maybe like okay, well that's part of the the disgusting dystopia right. that we live. I in. I see what they're going for there, right. but however. So, uh, so the murder takes place at, at this apart at one apartment building, and the furniture girl is is a witness or at least seen uh, seen the victim the last time, right? And so, uh, Thorn, uh, the the Charlton Heston character, later on comes back uh, to to re-interview her. And before that, he says, "I may need to see you again later," which right. I kind of took to meant he was going to need to like have her later. I, I I thought he just meant that he was going to like re-interview her later because he is presented as being uh, not not like upper class, right. He's being part of the the sort of plebs who you I, know. The, I just the, sort of took it. Man, I, I kind of took it like he was going to be able to come back and have sex with her, which is exactly and what she he does. wasn't going to be able, and she was just going to have to be okay with it because that's just how the things go. And that's exactly what happens. He comes back to uh, to to see her at the apartment again. And you think, and he starts to interview her. Starts to ask her more questions about the uh, 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 about her former, uh, you know, roommate, right? And it takes her into the bedroom, and very casually, as they're talking, they're getting undressed. And he's like on the bed, yeah. and she starts getting undressed. And this guy who's supposed to be our hero takes it takes advantage of her in the way that she that you would it takes advantage of her as though she's she's part of furniture, right? Absolutely, and and what are we supposed to make of that? I I mean, hopefully, ideally, we are expected to uh, you know we we would be able to take a hero, especially one played by uh, uh, Charlton Heston, and think of him as somebody who is disgusted by this sort of status quo and disgusted by this particular I, I, use of women. I Particu- think that would have been a better character trait for him to have. Yes, particularly when um, I mean, not to put too fine a point on this, but. He appears to be in a homosexual relationship with his roommate, Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> well, I don't know if, I mean, <laughs> certainly I had that thought, but I was like, I, I don't know if I was writing that in or not. Well, I, I mean, we don't want to, again, you know, this is 1973, so we don't want to put too much stock in that. But they're clearly in love, right? <laughs> On some level, I mean, at least. consummated or not, right? Uh, yeah. his, his roommate, Edward G. Robinson. No, they he, have a he brings deep him attachment. Home. Yes, he brings him home all sorts of uh, of of gifts that he's found when out. When they're having that lettuce meal, I mean, <laughs> right? That was that was actually pretty funny. <laughs> I did. I laughed at that. They can't. They uh, uh, organic food is a thing of the past. So uh, when they do find organic food, even when it's lettuce, right? They bring it home and and, and uh, he plates and, the lettuce. Yes, and, they... and it's uh, like a delicacy, right? And Edward G. Robinson, the older man, the 
older man who remembers the before times is like, oh, yes, this is now, we used to love lettuce. Not to be outdone, yeah. but our hero also does cold cock a woman in a fight later on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. This, uh, this movie is, uh, you know, in, in, in 2022... I predict uh, there are gonna there are still gonna be problems between men and women. There's still gonna be the misuse of 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 yeah, the abuse of of women by men. My my issue was, I mean, obviously, it's, what's portrayed here is reprehensible. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Mm-hmm. That's yes. My, she seems to have an attachment to him after that, though. She wants oh, to go well, away with him. Obviously, it just didn't make any sense. Obviously, I mean, if you're in any in any movie, especially of this era, if you have a woman having sex with a man, even if even if it's under duress, even if it's their job, she immediately falls in love with him. Oh, okay, right? yeah, it's the hooker with a heart of gold uh, scenario, right? So say what you want to say because I I I I have a philosophical issue that I want to get into. Okay, um, and it has to do with the Great Revelation. The revelation at the end of this movie, so the greenest people. <laughs> okay. Right? This movie is filled with, up until then, it's filled with uh, these very ominous scenes of overpopulation, of how we can't feed everybody, of people waiting in line for for hours and hours for a little bit of, of, of this uh, corporate manufactured food and then being turned away. Uh, the implication being that they're going to go have to go home and tell their 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 family that you know we're not going to eat for another week. People so die on, on the street. I've... People die right. People starving to death on the street and being you know sort of a uh, uh, piled up with big bulldozers. Uh, by the way, the uh, some of the bulldozer scenes on this are uh, oh, pretty the, impressive. The scoops, yeah, mean? some of the scoops. That, they I use. laugh my ass off. Yeah, right. right. I mean, the, the, the scoops you know. are coming. <laughs> the and you're like, what does that are, mean? Was, uh, it's a scoop. It's, 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 <laughs> it's a scoop. <laughs> They've got crowd control, right? Um. So, uh, so let's say you're in this world and, uh, there's too many people. You don't know how to feed the people that you have, uh, and people are starving to death. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't know how, you don't know what to do with the bodies of the people who are starving to death. Right. Bear with me, Matt. Mm -hmm. Is it such a horrible idea? (laughs) Yes. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Yes, it is. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, when we, I mean, at least there are people trying to solve problems. Well, okay. I'll grant you that in society, when we kill an animal to eat it, yes, we kill a healthy specimen of that, uh, an- that animal. Uh-huh. We kill a healthy cow, uh-huh. butcher it into steaks and hamburger vice, you know, whatever the rest comes out yeah. and eat it. We don't take an old cow that's died of cancer <laughs> and chop or it starvation. up and grind it up into a uh, meat tablet. Uh, well, and apparently they're actually they're actively killing people to create well, sort of encouraging yes. yeah people to well come yeah in, encouraging like Saul to to, to go to the final uh, Omnimax in the sky. Right, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, Omnimax in the sky. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. You have decision makers here who have to uh, make maybe unpopular decisions. And these people, you know, in food lines, uh, returning home to their starving children with no food at all, uh, maybe you would rather return home with some food and you don't question where that food came from. I mean, if it's protein, maybe it's protein. Well, I mean, if... You know, this movie makes sort of all kind of crazy, you know, predictions about the yeah. future. Uh, if this movie, if, if people are divided politically as as they are in reality, uh-huh. 
Um, he would say Soylent Green is people, and the other people, the, the, the half who didn't want to hear that just wouldn't hear it, right? Right. They'd be like, uh, fake <laughs> news. Right, yeah, right. It's people. Um, and frankly, maybe these people are uh, better off knowing, or better off not knowing. Um, I, I, I think that's the... And now that they do know, now they do know because one person yelled, Soylent Green is people, as he was being carted off to the loony bin, um, are they are they going to change their eating habits? They can't. They can't. Of course not. No, I think they're better off not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, it's like when you revolt all you want. It's but like things gonna... like blood sausage and haggis and head cheese. Yeah. You don't want to know if you, if you're enjoying what you're eating. It's better off if you don't know what you're eating. Yeah. Right. I mean, what they could do is maybe they could. Uh, I get the feeling Soylent Green is not particularly tasty. So maybe they could. You know, now that it's the secret's out and it's protein. Um, maybe they could do a little more with it, right? Um, it makes you wonder what Soylent Red is made out of. No telling. All as I know is this movie is extremely mediocre. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it it doesn't it doesn't particularly age well. Uh, particularly, yeah. And and again, it. I want to say particularly if you know the secret, but I think even at the time, if you knew, if you didn't know the secret, it it's presented. Uh, the the big twist, so to speak, is presented in such a bizarre kind of anticlimactic way that it, it, there's Hest- no re- there's no reason to believe it's going to change anything or could change anything. Heston, well, you think you kind of it hints at that, that nobody's going to believe him, right? I think. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it, Heston's picking these weird projects, you know, since Apes, right? Where they just kind of like they throw something at you, and the movie just goes credits, right? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right. You know, very similar to Planet of the Apes. And, uh, right, he's uh, partial Damn to... Damn it all to hell, and then that's it. Damn you all to hell! But, I mean, the delivery of the line in this mm-hmm. is just so great in its, <laughs> in its strangeness. Right. Just the way he lingers on, Soylent Green is people. He people. Just, people. That just, it just <laughs> made me laugh. So, uh, and I did not remember. I mean, I, I remember seeing the end of this movie as a kid. Yeah, I did not know it went straight to credits like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, one, one footnote on this. Uh, this was based on a uh, uh, novel by Harry Harrison called "Make Room, Make Room," that deals with uh, uh, overpopulation in the future. You know, probably in two thousand twenty-two. Has no uh, cannibalism, cannibalism aspect. Has no Soylent Green is not made of people. It's just about how really, yeah, about different policies that they, um, different various draconian policies they have to go through to try to uh, uh, to try to deal with overpopulation. So no, I think you were on to something. You know, making Soylent Corporation, and it's easy to make a corporation a villain. Mm-hmm. Make them a greater villain, and then you find out their secret, and you're able to mm-hmm. expose them. Yeah, this you you know, like like I said, you don't know that they're really you. You don't if you haven't seen this before, you don't know they're evil until the very end. Yeah, yeah. And if that you know, well, I mean, it's I mean, argue whether the, that's evil you, or not. Yeah, but. I mean, you get the hint because they're sort of you know intimidating they're people and so very on. clearly hiding something. But but yeah, uh, what this movie, uh, or at least what a modern version of this movie would have is is some is one particular like CEO or or evil corporate guy who's behind everything. <laughs> the modern version it would be like Soylent Green says it's sugar free but it's really got sugar. <laughs> it has <laughs> Soylent Green has sugar and everybody's just appalled. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't didn't care for this. Not a great movie. So you hit it out of the ballpark again, randomizer. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of which, yes, we got to pick a random movie for next week's show. Yes. Let's do that now. What's it going to be? It's going to be Zorba the Greek from 1964. Ooh, okay. Never seen that movie. Anthony Quinn. Anthony Quinn. And of course, that's going to be paired up with the brand new blockbuster film, Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. Can't wait to see it. Taika Wahidi at it once again. Yes. I expect a similar tone to Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the trailer seems to indicate that. Uh, Natalie Portman coming back. Apparently adopting the mantle of Thor. That was in the comics. The Mighty yeah, Thor was, right, exactly. was female. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a big, big hit in the comics, and uh, we're seeing the comic adaptation on the big screen. Okay. We'll see if it works. Yep. So we'll be back next week. I think we have a special guest. Our friend Mark, I think, will be here. Okay. If, if, plan go, if everything goes to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye, Bye everybody.